Somebody say amen. One person. Thank you. One. (laughs) Okay, today we are hearing from Acts. Again, I will remind you that throughout the season of... Uh, of Easter, which is the six weeks from Easter to Pentecost. We're getting three really great texts from the lectionary every week from John, from 1 Peter, and from Acts. And I'm switching up which ones I'm using. So you're not getting a consistent um, look at one bo- any one book. So please, when you head home, make sure you look at these other, other texts because they're, they're marvelous. Um, it's been hard to choose what I want to preach about. Uh, But this text is from Acts 17. The Apostle Paul is going throughout Asia Minor teaching people about Jesus. Newly understood Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the resurrected Christ. And he's now in Athens, which is the most cultured city in all the land. More philosophers, more educated people more science-based people, more, more literature, more philosophy. And so he's trying to meet them at their philosophical level and talk about who Jesus is. And so then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through this city and looked carefully at the objects you worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands. Nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search, search for God, and perhaps grope for God, and find God. Though indeed God is not far off, from each one of us. For in God we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we too are God's offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and the imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now God commands all people everywhere to repent. Because God has fixed a day on which God will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. So I love this text and I want to title this sermon, Groping for God. And it's it's funny, right? Groping for God. Because when we think of grope, what do you think of? Now you're with me. But to grope actually means to feel about or to search blindly. Okay? So what this actually says is, there's three main verbs, and it says, search for God, search blindly for God, and find God. Does that make sense? You search for God, then you search blindly, and then you find God? What's the difference between searching and searching blindly? Let me give you an example. I have a friend who is blind. She's a magnificent preacher because she has to memorize everything she ever does. And so she memorizes her sermons and she stands up and she can quote, you know, Aristotle or Calvin or whatever just off the top of her head because that's the way her brain works. And I went through the airport with her one time. And you know how these people mover things? These people movers, you know, you get on them and they just take you wherever you want to go. But you ever watch a person, a sighted person, get on a people mover? Because we, when we stop, and then we look, and we kind of we kind of wait for what we think is the right time, and then get on and it takes us where we want to go. Oh no, no, not my friend Lisa. No, Lisa, people mover comes. You're walking with her. You say, Lisa, people mover. She goes, doesn't stop, doesn't can't look. Just keeps moving. You say, Lisa, step. You got to say step in three feet. Because she's blindly searching for where to step. Get the difference between search and blindly search? Right? We search, there's a safety involved in it. You listen to the kids. Where'd you search for your watch? I had all my friends look for it at camp. Yeah, because you knew you lost it at camp. That was a search. It was safe. Where'd you lose your hoodie? I went to the lost and found at school. I searched where I thought it would be. I lost my debit card one time. I said, Jane, go find my debit card. I've looked everywhere I possibly could. I'd done the search. She was searching blindly. She went through the couch cushions in my office. She went through my car. She went through the pockets. That's a blind search. And there's value in that because in that kind of blindness, in that kind of searching recklessly and without care, That's the place where faith is found. Paul very easily could have said, search and find. It's not what Paul said. Paul said, search for God. Grope for God. Find God. That blind searching, that leap of faith that we take, matters. It matters that we take the leap of faith 
to search. And Paul tells us why. Because what Paul says is, we are all, this is my language, not his, but Paul says, we're all wired to search for God. Now, the skeptics in the room, I wish Madison was here because Madison's my great skeptic. Um, the skeptics in the room will say, oh, I'm not wired to search for God. Why, why do you say that? All the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, in our community will say, no, we're not wired for God. That's why we don't go to church. That's why we don't pay attention to God. Watch what Paul says. It's important what Paul says. Because what Paul is saying is, hey, you know that altar to the unknown God you have? I know who that God is. Yeah, you have an altar to Aries, and you have an altar to Diana, and you have an altar to this God, and you have an altar to that God. You have one to an unknown God, and I know that God. You know how I know that God? Because that's the God of creation. That's the God who made each one of us. That's the creator to this creature. That's why Paul says, your God, your God that you've made, that stone or artwork, My God's fine, but that's not the real one. That's not the living God. That's not the God who created us. And the God who created us created us to search for that God. There is something in everybody that stirs and says, I need to know that unknown God, that creator, the one who made me, the one who knows me. The one whom I'm bound to. We do this in the church. You know, we talk about seekers. We talk about searchers. That used to be the language we used. Now we talk about nuns. It's gotten a little worse as the decades have gone on. We used to have faith, more faith in these people that they sought God or they searched for God. Now we just say they're nuns and they don't care anymore, but it's not really true. And part of what we do by saying that is we give up on our creator. We give up on the true God that exists. In my church in Missouri, the president or the 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 director of the library of the university was a member of the church. He was a man from India. And anytime he was liturgist, you'd get an interesting take on the scripture just from him reading it. Because anytime the word God appeared, he always put the God before it. Because he wanted us to understand that was the one and only God, the creator of the universe. So he would say things like, in the beginning, the God created and we'd all go, the God. What's a bit, you know. But given the culture he grew up in, the polytheistic culture he grew up in, that made sense. Paul is saying to these people, first of all, the one true God exists. And you can know that because even though 
You're covering all your paces by having the altar to the unknown God. Don't miss the important fact that even with this sort of catch-all altar, it's really an altar just to the one and only true God, the God of Jesus Christ, the Lord and creator of the universe, the Lord and creator of us all. Paul says, this is an altar to God who has been stirring in us even before we were knit together in our mother's wombs. The one in which we live and move and have our being. This is the God that is as close to us as a steady heartbeat, a soul's longing, a very breath. Paul is asking people to look inward to themselves, to ask when in our souls, where in our souls, how in our souls is God already at work? Where in our day-to-day existence can we feel God moving and being? Where do we see God, even if we don't fully know God? And his answer is, we're wired to search for our creator. Because our creator made us that way. And if we seek and blindly seek, we will find God because the creator promised the creature... At least that. Sometimes people don't search for God, I think, because, yes, they're afraid, but they're afraid of what they might find. And what they might find is nothing at all. But that's not the way it works. Grope for God, my friends. God will find you God will let you find him because ours is a God who made us to be in relationship with one another and with God God desires nothing more than for us to search and find. So, dear ones, grope all you want. Grope away. Grope for God. Amen.